0: Well, for me, July 24th is a day that I won't and should not forget because it's the day uh, that Loretta and I were married. It's our wedding anniversary. And then a few years later, uh, our firstborn son, Judah, was actually born on that very day, July 24th. We like to joke that uh, he stole our thunder a little bit uh, and he was born three weeks early. But... Uh, as you know obviously I'm not going to forget that day we maybe you have one of those days where it's a date uh, whether it's in your calendar or not it's in your head and you know it and it's it's just a monumental foundational day for you in your life Uh, we have been in the book of Haggai Uh, my name is Toby and we're going to be actually finishing up uh, the verses that we're going to cover because this is a pretty short uh, book it's a prophetic book in the Old Testament Uh, if you've been with us I hope you've been blessed by the teaching from this prophet we're going to wrap up uh, some of the verses uh, at the end of chapter two and over and over again we're going to hear that on this day this is monumental. You need to pay attention. And, and in fact, it, it, it names a date on the 24th day of the nine month. It, you'll hear it over and over again. So I'm going to cover uh, these verses and the teaching will be based on this passage. Next week, it will be with us just to wrap it all up. Uh, and so let's do that. Uh, the words will be on the screen, but I do encourage you, if you have your Bible, to uh, open it up. I'm going to be reading from uh, Haggai chapter 2, verse 10, all the way to the end. On the twenty-fourth day of the ninth month, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet. Thus says the Lord of hosts, ask the priests about the law. If someone carries holy meat in the fold of his garment and touches with his fold bread or stew or wine or oil or any kind of food, does it become holy? The priests answered and said, No. Then Haggai said, If someone who is unclean by contact with a dead body touches any of these, does it become unclean? The priest answered and said, It does become unclean. Then Haggai answered and said, So it is with this people and with this nation before me, declares the Lord. And so with every work of their hands and what they offer there is unclean. Now then, consider from this day onward, before the stone was placed upon stone in the temple of the Lord, how did you fare? When one came to a heap of twenty measures, but there were ten. When one came to the wine vat and drew fifty measures, there were but twenty. I struck you with all the products of your toil, and blight, and with mildew, and with hail, yet you did not turn to me, declares the Lord. Now consider from this day onward. Verse 18. From the twenty-fourth day of the ninth month, Since the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider, Is the seed yet in the barn? Indeed, the vine and the fig tree, the pomegranate and the oil olive tree have yielded nothing, but from this day on I will bless you. The word of the Lord came a second time to Haggai on the twenty-fourth day of the month. Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I'm about to shake the heavens and the earth and to overthrow the throne of kingdoms. I'm about to destroy the strength of the kingdoms of the nations and overthrow the chariots and their riders. And the horse and their rider shall go down, every one by the sword of his brother. On that day, declares the Lord of hosts, I will take you, O Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Shealtiel, declares the Lord, and make you like a signet ring for I have chosen you, declares the Lord of hosts. So, uh, as we read, and as you see over and over again, God says, On this day, and the first thing you see is, On this day, I have a word for you. On this day, I'm going to speak to you. On this day, I have truth for you to listen to and to keep in mind and to bear in your life on this day. uh, It happens in verse uh, 15, verse 18, verse 19. From this day onward, this this is a a line in the sand. This is something that you need to recall and remember. From this day onward. And we know that uh, from verse 14, it says this people, this nation before me, they were gathered together and God was going to speak to them. Later, you know, we read that he would have a specific word for Zerubbabel, like a, a one-on-one kind of word, and he will speak of that day, which is a future day. But in the in the moment, it's this day, now. I have a word for you. And so here's a question: Are we expecting God to speak to us today? Are you expectant of God speaking to you? tomorrow, the next day, or the day after that? Are you expectant to hear God speak to you? Um, I I have to say that, uh, you know, I have uh, been caught off guard because I think uh, I have not been so expectant. Even in our um, community group times, you know, we've had three uh, sessions of community groups in these last month, uh, all discussing the teaching that's coming out of Haggai. And I have to say, I, I, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't sure what to expect. You know, this is, an Old Testament uh, prophet, it's, it's this tiny book, you know, that you, you, know, you might have trouble finding still. And yet, I can tell you, uh, we meet on Wednesday. Every Wednesday night, um, I have a sense of God speaking to me personally. And when I look out into, you know, our screen and, you know, the faces are just little boxes because we're on this video call. I can see God is speaking. God is moving. Are you expectant of God speaking to you this day? He is ready to do that. On this day, foundations are laid. On this day, foundations are laid. What is happening here? You know, if you uh, if were following along, uh, they're gathered and then God kind of, it seems like he gives them a bit of a riddle. He says, hey, uh, you know, if you have um, holy meat, you know, so uh, meat, uh, an animal that was would be sacrificed and uh, this meat is then, the priest would be able to take this meat Home, And he says, uh, if you have holy meat in the fold of your garment, so imagine, you know, I have here, I don't have meat here. I have a piece of bread, but imagine, you know, they, they, they slice off a little bit of, of meat and then they put in their garment or, you know, a, a kind of cloth. Uh, and then God says, hey, if, if this this cloth touches other things like a spoon or oil or, you know, whatever else is happening around the kitchen, do those things become holy? Because by implication, because of the, the 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 garment itself is holy because it's it's touching. There's this, there's a the one degree of separation here, and God says, "Does do other things become holy?" In other words, does is holiness contagious? And the they answer correctly, no, no, the holiness doesn't keep passing on. And then he asks him a second question. He says, "Hey, if someone who comes in contact with in a." Uh, um, a dead body, which would be very unclean, and they would know the law, this, this was something that was unclean, and, and by touching this, and then you touch other things, do those other things become unclean? And the answer correctly, yes. And, and you know, we, of course, we, we know this, uh, you know, particularly the world we live in now, uh, with uh, the coronavirus, with all these things, right, sickness passes on. It's contagious. It it keeps going. Whereas, uh, cleanliness uh, doesn't necessarily like me washing my hands doesn't mean someone else's hands are washed, right? And if you put a sick person and a healthy person in the same room, we know that the health isn't going to pass on. No, instead that sickness is passed on to the healthy person. Uh, Uncleanliness, unholiness, impurity Keeps going. What's the point here? God is saying, "Hey, you have neglected me for all these months. You know, this is this uh, Haggai was written over, you know, the span of a few months. But for years they had been back in Jerusalem and uh, facing opposition. They did not rebuild the temple. They neglected God uh, in their actions. And he and and he says basically that, hey, because you've neglected me, because everything." Has been unclean. What your hands have done, even as you've continued to work, have become unclean. They, you're, you're, you're running into problems. You're, you're running into efficiencies. You're banging your head against the wall. And and if you remember, this was the first, um, the first chapter we were talked about, and it repeats again where you know they, they went to draw this much, but only this much came. They went to plant this much, but only, only so little came. And he says basically because you have neglected me, because you have not put me first. You have been frustrated, and so it is at this point on this day, where God says, "When where the foundation is laid." Verse 18. Let me read that for you again. It says, "Consider from this day onward, from the 24th day of the ninth month, since the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid." He says, "On this day, you're going to lay a foundation, and from this day onward, I will bless you." See, before you've laid the foundation. Your your heart's not there, but because you you're laying the foundation now, you're putting me first. I'm going to bless you. You know, foundations uh, are are obviously so important to the the structure of buildings, uh, both ancient and modern. Right there, there's no there's no difference. In fact, uh, the, for many ancient structures, the only thing that's left is the foundation if it's good. And foundations are used uh, as a metaphor and image all throughout the Bible uh, uh, for for goodness, for blessing, for God himself. And and when uh, there's trouble and trial and strife, it talks about foundations being laid bare. Maybe you've had those kinds of moments where you come up against uh, trial and struggle and pain, uh, relational or health or job, and uh, your foundation is laid bare. And for some of us, maybe we find that our foundation is not God, and it's it's laid bare. And and perhaps the foundation is cracking and crumbling. And like I said, all throughout the Bible, it talks about God as a foundation. Uh, I love how Hebrews. Uh, looking back, Hebrews written in the New Testament, looking back at Abraham, all the way at Abraham. He says, you know, he was roaming in tents, this Abraham who was called and followed God. But then he says this, uh, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. This is how Isaiah 26 puts it. You keep him in perfect peace. Him, who is this him? Whose mind is stayed on you, the Lord, because he trusts you. Then he says this in verse four, trust in the Lord forever for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. He is an everlasting rock and foundation. And finally, of course, Jesus himself uh, in in, uh, Luke chapter six, he points to himself and not just himself, but obeying his teaching as the foundation, as the base of building your life. He says this, everyone who comes to me and hears my word and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, a stream broke. Again, that house could not shake it because it had been well built. Over and over again, the Bible points us to God being our firm foundation. And this was the moment for this Nation for these Israelites, who for so long had neglected God, and and all they're finding is just trouble and toil and strife, and they're just just frustration, and you know it's easy to think, well, okay, I guess what you're saying is, you know, behave behave better, uh, and then you know get blessed, and behave bad, uh, you know, cursing, I guess, but you know notice that uh, when God talks about the cursing, he says uh, in verse. 17 he says i struck you with all the products of your toil with blight and with mildew and hail he says yet you did not turn to me declares the lord see even what we'd call cursing even the frustration even the lack of productivity god puts in place because he's calling us because he he's he's saying no turn back to me i he, it's 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 a relationship that he wants not just your actions or your good deeds and that's that's you know what we noticed uh, even in the early uh, in chapter two, which we which Mike led us through last week, God is speaking to these people. He says, "No, no, I I I'm gonna be with you." Uh, I'm there for you. I, I work because I'm with you. My presence is with you. It's it's a relational, um, fatherly, uh, a friend who wraps his arm around another friend. God is there, calling us to be near him, not just to do the good works, not just to like get busy with um, religious things. And maybe that's where you are, you know, because before you lay the foundation of God Himself and the teaching of Jesus, then. Uh, listening to the sermon or reading your Bible or getting involved in you know a prayer group or community group, that's all going to be furnishing without the foundation. And if your foundation is still on something else, if your confidence is still ultimately on something else, then trial is going to come, tribulation is going to come, and, and you're going to find yourself on shaky ground. The walls are going to crumble because your foundation is not laid on God himself. And this is the moment, this is the day where God says, no, no, on this day, you're going to, uh, you know, lay this stone. Now you're going to set this foundation and, and then I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you because you've put me first. You've laid me uh, as your foundation. On this day, uh, not only a word for them, not only a foundation is set, uh, but as we read, uh, it's, they go from cursing to blessing. On this day, from curse to to blessing. And we see that right at the end of this first word uh, in verse 19. He says, On this day I will bless you, or sorry, from this day I will bless you. Uh, But then this there's a second word you've noticed you would notice. A second word came in verse 20. Let me read that for you again. The word of the Lord came a second time to Haggai on the twenty fourth day of the month. It says Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah saying, I am about to shake the heavens and the earth and to overthrow the throne of kingdoms. I am about to destroy the strength of the kingdoms of the nations and overthrow the chariots and their riders. And the horses and their riders shall go down, every one of them by the sword of his brother. On that day, declares the Lord of hosts, I will take you, O Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Shealtiel, declares the Lord, and make you a signet ring, for I have chosen you, declares the Lord. You know, uh, all throughout Haggai, uh, we've been meeting these leaders. uh, Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, he's the governor, we are told, and also Joshua, who's the high priest. And what we don't immediately see in Zerubbabel, the governor, is, in fact, he is of the royal Davidic line. His uh, grandfather and great-grandfather were actually... Uh, leading were were kings when the Babylonian Empire came and through God, uh, God's judgment on the nation of Judah, they were actually exiled. And uh, very significantly, this is what Jeremiah uh, writes uh, of his grandfather. He says this uh, in Jeremiah twenty two. says, "As I live, declares the Lord, through Caniah the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah." Uh, were the signet ring on my right hand, he says, this yet I would tear you off and give you into the hand of those who seek your life, into the hand of those whom you are afraid, even into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and into the hand of the Chaldeans or the Chaldeans. And so we see here God speaking. About Zerubbabel's uh, grandfather, who had rebelled against God, and who, and God's judgment came. He says, "I'm going to tear this you off like a signet ring. A signet ring was was a, a ring of, of of authority, of power. It could be used to you know for stamping. So it was it was very uh, it was a, a picture of authority. And God says, "I'm tearing you off." I'm I'm getting rid of you, and so the question is: What will happen? What will happen to God's promise to David? What will happen to the king? I mean, or we we are a, a place, a kingdom with with no king anymore. We are a displaced people. What will happen now? And all this time, uh, Zerubbabel, you know, he leads up in he, in leadership. He's appointed a governor all along, knowing that he is. His, his his line is royal. His line is of the heritage of David. And so it, it is no mistake that the very, very last verse uh, that we read uh, in this prophetic book says this. On that day, declares the Lord of hosts, I will take you, O Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Shealtiel, and make you like a signet ring. I'm going to restore you, Zerubbabel, I'm going to make you like a signet ring, for I have chosen you, declares the Lord of hosts. Uh, the, the first word was for the nation. It was for the people. But then it just, God speaks to Zerubbabel. It's like a, a personal word. It has implications for the whole nation, but it's a personal word. It's, I'm going to restore you. I, I, I'm, your, your, your bloodlines, I'm going to restore, and I'm going to bless now, uh interestingly, we know from history that Zerubbabel was never made king. He was he was never crowned king. And uh although ki- uh, kingdoms and nations came and went uh over this span, uh it was what we read here does not seem to be fulfilled because it spoke of that day, that future day. But interestingly, when we turn our Bible a few pages and 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 towards the New Testament, we will find both in Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew, and the Gospel of Luke, as they recall the lineage of, of Jesus himself. Uh, Zerubbabel would be there; he would be in the line that leads to Jesus himself, this uh, king who would come, uh, not riding you know, royal in royal robes and royal splendor, uh, but this king who would come humbly and who would fulfill the promises uh, in the Old Testament, who would himself, he said, he, he himself, his body was a temple, and who later uh, Peter and Paul and many of the apostles would point to and look at and said, no, he is, Jesus is the chief cornerstone, and Zerubbabel uh, would be a part of that, uh, even though his history was marred uh, God, turn it around and turn that cursing into a blessing. And I think that is hope for all of us. That is hope for all of us, knowing first of all that the one, the King, for whom. Uh, who fulfilled this was Jesus himself and he has come and we we are we live in the wake of that for, for all of us perhaps some of us feeling um at moments in times or our lives that, that there, there there seems to be a cursing on my life there seems to be a past and a history even generations of cursing there is hope for today there's hope for this day to mark from this day onward I'm expectant of God speaking I'm expectant that though I have been disobedient uh, at one point, I can now stand, I can I can obey Jesus. I can take him for his word and I can move forward knowing that I have a blessing because ultimately Jesus, he's, he died on a cross. He was cursed so that we could be blessed. And with that, let's move into a time of communion. passage, we were reminded that holiness is not contagious. You need first-hand knowledge of holiness. And in the final meal, we call the Last Supper, where Jesus gathered his disciples. He broke bread. He took this cup. Uh, He was there one-on-one with them. He was looking into their eyes And he said to them, you know what, I'm not going to eat this again until I come again, but do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, we uh, who are Christians now 2,000 years later, who know Jesus through his spirit and yet long to be with him one-on-one, Face to face, we eat this bread, we drink this wine, remembering that what he did in those days following, dying on the cross, meant indeed we could be with him, but we long to be with him. You know, Paul talks about looking in a mirror dimly, and I suppose our mirrors are a lot clearer now, but he says, You know, now we see dimly, but one day I'm going to see face to face, and we long for that day where we'll see Jesus face to face, where all this trial and struggle and, and toil and, and pain that we go through now would ultimately lead to grace and lead to a, a moment of pure joy with Jesus. And so um, if you have uh, your bread or a cracker or a chip, we um, break this bread uh, remembering that Jesus' body Uh, the coming king who Zerubbabel would eventually point to. He came, he died, and he was the ultimate sacrifice for us. And we drink uh, this cup, remembering that he shed his blood for us. I want to lead us in our commission by commissioning you, by calling you to live your life with Jesus as your foundation. See, when you have Jesus as your foundation, you can take other things that come into your life and you can place it on Jesus and do, do these line up. Are these true? Because I know Jesus as the foundation, and obeying His word is true. So now, when I when I take that teaching, or that book, or that song, or that whatever it is, or that idea I have, or that new job, I can place it on Jesus. and Say, does it line up? Is it true? Um, a few weeks ago, I got on a um, a little like tiny house kick. Okay, I, I I fell into a trap, and I learned way more about tiny homes, and um, converting school buses which are called schoolies into some kind of um rv for our family it's not gonna happen don't worry and uh i would i would say hey look, look this family of eight or six they're living on a bus and they're just like doing life and just you know just doing that and um i had to i had to after a few days really i, I placed that on jesus the foundation I looked at his teaching and what it would mean to obey him when he says, you know, take up your cross and follow me. I, I looked at how, the way he has called me and Loretta and how he has already led our family. And immediately by laying on that foundation, I saw discontentment. Uh, I could see obviously the the season of life, you know, uh, January 2021, where, you know, all of us are home. Uh, I, I, I could see that um, I, w- I was wandering away from... Uh, the the harder things of life and the, and and again how God has called me by placing that idea that nothing wrong with RVs per se but for me that idea and and dreaming and that discontentment I put it on the foundation of Jesus and I could see that it did not fit so so would you go and and go out and and take those the, all the, the ideas that you have, all the thoughts, all the opinions, and we have there's so many, place it on the foundation of Jesus. But you know, together we are being built. And so it's not just a matter of us individually assessing. Yes, that is important, but God is building. God is building us into a temple. So the commission is to go out and to be a part of what God is doing, be built into what he's building. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 22 says it this way, Together, we are his house. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and the cornerstone is Jesus Christ himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. God is building his church. And it might still feel like... It's not the way we want or how uh, we would like to in terms of being online and, and not being in person and all of these things but God is continuing to build a church. Would you jump in? would you step in we've been encouraging you uh, for for weeks and months. Be a part of what God is doing. If you're not part of a community group, please do so. There are many that meet throughout the week. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for joining us. I hope this is a blessing to you. I hope that uh, midweek you can get into a group and discuss this even further. Uh, Have a good Sunday and a great week.